You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from House for All Sinners and Saints. We are an Evangelical Lutheran Church in America congregation in Denver, Colorado, and you can find out more about us at www.houseforall.org. Grace, peace, and mercy are yours from the triune God. Amen. The uh, philosophers who influenced the Greco-Roman culture in the time of Jesus believed, above all, in human reason. They taught that deep within us is a reasonable being that alone can recognize the truth, which seems pretty optimistic because I'm pretty sure that deep within me is a being that alone is a narcissist with ADD who wants an entire chocolate cake to herself. (laughs) But anyway, according to Greek thought, human reason is a divine presence, and therefore, and here's the hook, the more rational we are, and the the more meaning and power we enjoy. And this quest for rational living, otherwise known as philosophy, boils down to having knowledge of a perfect system of cause and effect and how everything in the world is just as it should be. The Greeks had really, really good arguments for everything. That's how you won, by having the most reasonable argument. So then, a couple thousand years ago, in walks Christianity into this context. And Christianity, to be clear, is above all an unreasonable religion. Christianity has never been about an argument. Christianity has always been about a story. It's all we have, a story. And to be fair, it's a weird one. It is kind of a weird story. It's a story about God moving into the neighborhood as a poor carpenter from Galilee. The story is about God in a human body walking around like he didn't understand the rules. As if he wasn't interested in reason and rational arguments, but was super interested in whatever person was right in front of him, so much so that whoever he was talking to felt entirely seen, maybe for the first time in their lives. This story involves miracles and healing and dinner parties. It involves whores and politicians and sick old ladies. And the poor carpenter of a God-man told lots of stories, stories about what God's world is like, seeds and lost coins and hapless servants who were paid a full day for an hour's work. He said God's world is like trees and helpful strangers and like fathers who run out into the road to meet their no-good child, like their no-goodness was no matter. And his stories seemed like nonsense, but then they also seemed like absolute truth at the same time. He just kept saying 
that the things we think are so important rarely are. Things like holding grudges and making judgments and hoarding wealth and being first. Then this Jesus got all weird at dinner one night and said this bread is his body and this wine is his blood and all of it is for forgiveness. All of it means our no goodness is no matter. Then he went and got himself killed in a totally preventable way. Three days later, he blew his friend's minds by showing back up and being all like, you guys have any snacks? I'm starving. <laughs> it's an irrational story and hard to argue for. And as our first reading today indicates, it's a foolish story. In fact, the Greek word for foolishness is moria, the root of our English word moron. So yeah, the Greeks and Romans considered these Jesus followers literally morons. And maybe if we're doing it right, the same is true today. I was a moron last week, uh, not in the good Jesus-y way, but in the boring human way. Uh, we all have little personality glitches that get us in trouble, and mine usually revolves around trying to control things. It's a delusion to think I can control anything but my shade of lipstick, but that has never once tried me, uh, stopped me from trying. So the details aren't important, but let's just say I was pretty well tied in knots, perseverating on a situation in my life I couldn't control, worried about the outcome, gnawing at it in my mind like a Labrador with a chew toy, when my boyfriend Eric finally just asked, look, do you trust God or do you not? Not in a mean way, like in a super gentle way. Still, I totally looked at him like he had said the most unhelpful thing possible <laughs> and in scurrilous tone replied, what does God have to do with anything? <laughs> That's right. Two degrees in religion and theology, 10 years of ministry, 26 years of sobriety. And that was my answer. <laughs> and then later that night, after round two of Nadia's Crazy Land monologue, which sounded exactly word for word like the one earlier in the evening, he suggested that since ranting and being neurotic wasn't really getting me anywhere, that maybe... I might try praying instead. I mean, of all the foolish things, right? There's no rational argument for prayer. But the thing is, when he said it, this weird thing happened. No, I didn't smack him. I, I relaxed, like for the first time in days. When I finally remembered in my own powerlessness, that there is, as we say in 12-step meetings, a power greater than me, the simplest theological idea, and I had totally forgotten it. This is the long way around of me talking about the thing I love most about our gospel reading for today. 
not pissed off Jesus making a whip of cords and turning over the spiritual payday loan tables in the temple, although I do love me some fiery prophet Jesus. No, the thing that comforted me this week reading this story was the last sentence. It was after Jesus had said another foolish thing, destroy the temple and in three days I will rebuild it. And they were like, whatever, Jesus, the temple took like 46 years to build, so best of luck with that. So here's the part I love. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. They hung out with the guy and didn't have faith in him. They heard all his teachings firsthand. They ate their meals with him and witnessed all of it firsthand. And having faith wasn't their first move either. I find that comforting. (laughs) Having faith is a lumpy, foolish, inconsistent thing in my life. Lumpy because sometimes I have a ton and sometimes I have almost none. And foolish because there is not a reason-based argument for Jesus that would help me win a debate with a philosopher. And inconsistent because sometimes I honestly forget about God entirely. When I am struggling with the fact that I cannot control the people, places, and things in my life, sometimes I need someone to gently remind me That while I am indeed not that powerful, there is a power greater than me that we call God. It's the simplest theological concept. And that I can access that power anytime. I can access that mercy anytime. I can access that peace anytime. I wish I could stand here as your pastor and be a gleaming example of perfect faith in a victorious prayer life, but prayer and trusting God and remembering that there's a power greater than myself is usually my last resort. I generally try everything else first. (laughs) So instead, I have the same thing to offer I've always had, which is a story. The story Christians have always had. The foolish story of Christ and him crucified. I have but one thing to offer you, which is divine foolishness. But to us, it is life. And it is enough. And it is the most true thing ever. To the weak and the cynical and the socially awkward, and the gays, and those injured by religion, and the parentless, and the unemployed, and the alcoholics, Christ crucified. The foolishness of God is truly life in a way that our own wisdom can never be. The story of the gospel is the most unbelievable and most true thing I have ever heard Only a God who intimately knows pain and sorrow can take on all our crap at the cross and exchange it for the tender blessings of a first century Jewish carpenter. To preach the foolishness of Christ crucified is to say, okay, 
we can all stop clamoring our way to God. God has made God's way to us. There are no spiritual payday loans to be had here. There is just a power greater than me and greater than you, and it's always there, no matter how many times we forget all about it. (laughs) Maybe that's what Lent is about, returning to God, returning to prayer, returning to the story, not because we have to, but because we get to, as many times as needed. Because in the world according to God, that's how things work. And it's beautifully, bafflingly foolish. Amen.